What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 80, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, Absolute Power! Absolute Power! Absolute Power. We are an Independence Day podcast, independent podcast. We're an independent podcast, and you can help keep this thing independent (laughs) by uh, supporting us on Patreon if you wish. You don't have to. We do not plan to do anything other than a couple little fun little things for the Patreon folks that eventually will make it to the main feed, but... The Patreon folks will get it first, but uh, you, we can you can visit us there. It's patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate. Uh, that's way that you can, you know, uh, join in the tiers. We got a little 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 doohickey little thing that if you throw some votes towards an episode, it will force a recount of the episode. And uh, uh, yes, but, uh, you know, you will always be able to find our uh, our maiden show and then the other stuff that we do eventually on uh, everywhere where you can get a podcast, Apple podcast, Google podcast, Spotify podcast, your favorite podcast aggregator, the whole shebang. It'll totally be there for you. Just like a thing that's totally there for you. That's my motivational speech for the day. Zach, if somebody wanted to tell me uh, <laughs> that they think that they could give a, do a better motivational speech than me, uh, how might they How might they do that? Well, um, if they wanted to do that, then they would go to TED Talk and just produce something there <laughs> and then prove that they could do... No, no. So if you want to actually... But, but once you have done the TED Talk yeah, and yeah, you yeah. want to tell Brent that, that, see, you did it and you have proof, then you can email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. That is W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-O-U-G-H-T-H-E-S-T-R-G-E-T-E at gmail.com. Now, once you do nice. that, I'll have to read it, look at it, and suss it out. And then I'll say, hey, Brent, somebody emailed you and said that you need to go to TED Talk to prove that they have a better inspirational speech <laughs> than you. But he'll listen to me because we've been together for a long time. That is yes, true. We've been friends for a long time. Uh, and and uh, um, I have no idea where I'm going with this. So I'm just going to just – I'm going to drink my mead. Ooh, that's right. We got mead, Zach. Mm-hmm. So, oh, you just already took a sip. Okay, so this mead oh. that I'm holding in my hand right now. Yes, yes. Uh, well, I mean, I've is... already had a sip of it before, so... That's it's, true. That's okay. Okay, right, so the mead talk. I'm holding in my hand, yes, is from our very good friend of the show, David, who makes the promotion videos that we watch at the end of every single one. He also makes mead, turns out. And, Yummy! Uh, yeah, so Zach's already enjoyed his. I have in my hand a nice glass, uh, freshly poured. This is my first sip. So here we go. Ready? Here, here, here here's the taste test. Ooh, oh, mm, yeah, oh, it's got layers, Zach. It's got layers. There's is it the like taste, an and then onion? there's the taste. What? No, it's not like an onion at all. I mean, yeah, Onions I know where you're going layers. with layers. I know. <laughs> onions oh that's nice i'm gonna take another sip Mm. okay i'm sorry david it's wonderful oh that's so good so this is uh i don't know i assume zach your bottle said the same thing so david hand wrote on the bottles and this is a tory style mead for the discerning shulva um and uh i thought that was particularly good oh that's really really good stuff so yeah, this is going to be another show fueled by mead. So uh, strap in. But yeah, so sorry, um, I was stepping away from my microphone because I had to look. I had poured my mead into a glass, and so well, my I, bottle I, was actually in the refrigerator. I had to go look and see what does mine say. It does say Cree on the bottom, which is it does say cool. Cree on the bottom. Yes. 
does it have another does is it does it only say mead with the stargate a um well it also says uh tari for the discerning yes sova it says that yeah yeah and so anyway it's got some vanilla in there a little bit of cinnamon yeah uh there's some other things that i can't fully identify because my taste palette isn't really discerning but i can tell that this is really good yeah i very much enjoy it oh boy that's really good yeah this is uh i i might have to edit out some of the stuff in this part zach just because there's an awful lot of me just being like "Mm, yeah yeah well you know i trust you to edit that appropriately Mm, i might Um, but uh anyway that's uh that was that was made by a friend of the show david david thank you so much that was mm. I'm going to really enjoy enjoying that mm-hmm. during our show. Yes. Yep. <clears throat> Speaking of show, we got to do some things. <clears throat> we do. The, should do the, we should continue the show. Uh, so <laughs> email us at walking through the stargate at gmail.com. You can find us at Twitter uh, at stargate walking, uh, Facebook walking through the stargate. We have a Facebook page. Go ahead and hit that like and follow button and whatever else you have to hit there to do that. Also, we have a Facebook group and say, Hey, let me join the Facebook group and join in this wonderful conversation and this wonderful group that we are in. Uh, and uh, join us there. Uh, and yeah, so do all yep. that. Um, I do have, Brent. Yes. A couple of Jaffa jokes for you. This oh, comes no. from one of our listeners, the Mad Baron. Oh, and boy. And here we go. Are you ready? And you know, since no. this, is, this no. is the 4th of July. <laughs> yes. This is the 4th. As we record this, we are recording this on the 4th of July, which for everybody who's listening in the United States, happy Independence Day. And sure. for those of you who are not in the United States and don't care, I say happy July 4th. Happy, happy July 4th. <laughs> happy Saturday. I hope you have a great day. <laughs> And to that end, we have some Jaffa jokes. Yes. What did the Jaffa say to the other Jaffa? Uh, Cree. I don't know. Cree. <laughs> yeah, that's got, a Jaffa I, joke I, already. I got one more. His nose drips. You got another one, huh? I got another one. Okay. Why right, did the system lord drink Coke? A pop fizz. Uh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> no why am i laughing i that, that that is not that is not a laugh joke that is that's oh terrible. but that's but it's terrible. so good thank you uh, mad baron pop, for pop, uh, this, for those oh, what jaffa is. jokes and stargate jokes uh-huh. <laughs> oh gosh that was that that was yeah that, that is my style of grown joke though so that was that indeed thank you thank you mad baron brent you are a dad and your jokes oh, i know are dead jokes. Oh, one day I told a joke and my daughter looked at me. My seven-year-old daughter looked at me and she said, is that a dad joke? Because uh, I'm not laughing. And she meant, <laughs> and she meant it. <laughs> she meant it like, since she's not a dad, she wouldn't find it funny. That's her logic. It's a very brilliant logic. But on the other hand, it did also come across as like, nope, try again there, big guy, because uh, your material is a little stale. <laughs> Keep working on it. Okay. Oh, so, good stuff. Uh, so shall we dig into this episode, Absolute Power, Brent? Absolute Power? Yes, let's do it. Okay. So this episode is directed by Peter DeLuise. This is his oh, seventh... I forgot to look for him. Ah, well, I'll tell you where he is in the lit. Okay, okay. Um, this is his seventh directing credit for the season. He is eight total. Uh, he did The Other Side, mm-hmm. Crossroads, Window of Opportunity, the first one, uh, the first ones, Beneath the Surface, and Tangent. 
And, of course, he did Absolute Power, and he's got one more coming up in the last mm-hmm. couple episodes of the season. Uh, as for where Peter DeLuise was, this is one of those ones that you probably would never be able to find him if you didn't know. But um, at the very end, when uh, Shifu, as the glowing going energy the room. being, yeah. is... Well, not not in the gate room, but going through oh. the hallway. Oh. Uh, Peter DeLuise was one of the two guards that were kind of being forced backwards as the, yep. the light was gotcha. moving forward. Yep. Makes sense. So, in that situation, you know, unless you happen to know that that was Peter DeLuise, there's nothing in that shot that would be able to identify him as himself. Right. Gotcha. The teleplay for this is by Robert C. Cooper, who at this point in time is a co-executive producer, but will soon become an executive producer and then becomes a very significant role. Well, already is, but continues to lead into that significant role in Stargate lore. Uh, mm-hmm. This is his third writing credit this season. He did uh, Small Victories and Watergate. He also didn't get credit for it, but but he did do a lot of uh, edits for Upgrades and basically rewrote it. So uh, mm-hmm. he's uncredited as the writer for Upgrades, but he did a lot with that. So that doesn't count as his four for the season, and this is his third one. So he's got one more coming up gotcha. soon. We've got a whole slew of actors, guest actors in this episode, Brent. We've got mm-hmm. Peter Williams popping in as Apophis. We've got Colin like Cunningham popping in as uh, Major Paul Davis. We've got Gary Jones, who is Walter slash Radar Harriman. Yep. I can, we have William DeVry returning as Aldwin, the Tokra. We've got oh, Eric yeah. Avari as Kasuf. Yep. Uh, and this is, I believe, sadly, the last time we will see Kasuf on air. No, uh, I, I was literally a- just thinking to myself, like, hey, maybe I'm going to be seeing Kasuf regularly. That'd be all right. That That'd would be, be lovely, right. wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be awesome yeah. if you could? But, uh, you know, frankly, the guy is really busy. Um, yeah, I guess that's true. So, uh, and then we have also Stephen Williams, who plays General Vadrine again. He returns from the episode Tangent. He comes back mm-hmm. for this episode. Uh, and then, of course, we have Lane Gates, who plays Shifu. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a child actor in the late 90s and early 2000s. He has nine acting credits total. His first one mm-hmm. was in a 1997 TV movie called Major Crime, where he played the character of Jason Reed. And I tried to look okay. for more information about what he has done since becoming an adult, and I can't find any definitive information out there. Um, there are a couple of pictures of him as, you know, that look kind of professional pictures of him as an mm-hmm. adult. Mm-hmm. Uh, in various places, but uh, to determine what he's doing and why he's doing it and, and all that stuff. I can't find it. Uh, but he is not acting in movies and TVs currently. Gotcha. Uh, which is kind of unfortunate because I thought that, I mean, you know, we all grow up, but uh, as a child, he did a tremendous job. I thought so too. So the original air date for Absolute Power was January 19, 2001. In the U.S., we were still listening to Independent Women Part 1 by Destiny's Child, which uh-huh. kind okay. of makes the good connection with the Independence Day today. Independence Day, that's right. Yeah, it's sure. all coming together. Yep. In the U.K., they were listening to Jennifer Lopez's first number one on the charts in the U.K., Love Don't Cost a Thing. Huh. I bet you I'd recognize it, but I don't remember, so let's cue it up. There it is. All right. Well, Love Don't Cost a Thing is clearly a, a romantic love song. Uh, Uh which means it is something that you can dance to. 
And whenever you're dancing, you always want somebody to save the last dance for you. That was oh, number boy. one. Yep. And if they say no, you are cast away. Oh, oh boy. And yep. after you've been cast away, you have nothing left to do but wander the streets, and hopefully you can avoid the traffic that's there. Oh, and if boy. you don't, somebody will snatch you up and take you away. And all of this is because you don't have what women want. Wow. Wow. I mean, well done. That one actually was coherent. <laughs> Yay. It's the mead. It's mead. <laughs> that was all spontaneous. That was actually I didn't think about that at all. Pretty good. I mean, yeah. Okay. So, what was happening at and around this time in the world? Yes. What was? On January 15th, that's about four days before this episode aired, uh, Wikipedia, a free wiki or content encyclopedia, is launched by Jimmy Wales wow. and Larry Sanger. I mean, on one hand, like, obviously, like, it would be around the early 2000s. But on the other hand, I'm just thinking to myself, I remember, I distinctly remember how, uh, I guess a year later, maybe? Uh, the the cautionary tales of do not use Wikipedia as a source yeah. <laughs> was yeah. making the rounds, but that's not a very long amount of time. <laughs> that's no. a year. No. Wow. Now I graduated college in two thousand, and I didn't start my undergrad or my my graduate work until two thousand five, and mm -hmm. so that's when this popped in here. Uh, by two thousand five to two thousand ten, when I was doing my graduate work, uh, that's when Wikipedia really kind of began to shift. And, and you could actually begin at that moment in time to, to legitimately use it as a beginning source. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, Oh, I absolutely stand behind the notion of, no, 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 never, sort, uh, never cite Wikipedia. But uh, go to the notes and the references that it uses and read those materials like that like sure. th 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 they are okay places to start do not do not though when you're writing your paper do not go may 23rd blah 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 we keep it no 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 go to the library get the book read the book i wonder if that will change never it will be a constant for all time i doubt that I doubt that. <laughs> well, what do you mean? What do you mean as in like Wikipedia being a trusted source? I, I think that there will come a time in the future when Wikipedia has matured enough that that uh, it can be used in a manner that is safe to you or would have been safe to use um, like, like undergraduate papers yeah. back in the day. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're not going to be able to uh, publish an actual like uh, a proper study <laughs> you can't no. you won't you won't be able to really kind of hang your hat you won't be able to completely prove your master's uh dissertation you won't be able to put the final nailing blow <laughs> with the wikipedia <laughs> article <laughs> oh, however no. no um but but uh you know for your elementary school research right. project right um you know wikipedia i mean Let's be a little, when I was a kid, I went to the encyclopedia and I went to two or three different right. encyclopedias and I got my information on, you know, worms or whatever it was that I was writing a report on. And yep. then I used, you know, and I quoted this encyclopedia and that dictionary and so on and so forth. And that was sufficient for my 
you know, fourth grade report. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I suspect that if, if it hasn't already, Wikipedia will get to the point where it is mature enough to be able to do that. And it already, I think, as the most part, is is worth it's strong enough that I can go there and say, well, okay, so I learned this on Wikipedia. This gives me a basic context. And if it's worth its salt, which most of the places now on Wikipedia are, it has the documentation at the bottom that like, okay, so this gives me the root of stuff. This is good enough for now. Then I can go if I need to, to find more information and to mm-hmm. actually go in there in my daily life. There's... We- we Go should ahead. you and me we should not start the conversation because we will never stop but uh i will briefly posit the notion that and i don't have an answer right now but i'm just thinking to myself like what kind of intrinsic biases are inherent in those articles that might put you on a path that is a very different trajectory than some other source now again i don't have an answer i'm not sitting here like "Mm, i'm captain smarty pants did you ever think of this Mm?" no i'm just like just i'm just acknowledging like yeah if that's your launch point might you go somewhere else if something else was your was a different launch point and i don't know well okay so don't know the implication in your question is that there is a good launch point and the fact of the matter is that there is yeah that's fair it's your launch point and frankly, is up to you, the researcher, to be able to acknowledge your own biases uh, and launch points and uh, navigate through that. But you have to launch from somewhere, and there's always going to be a native bias in that. So there you go. Let's move on, because we could go on. We sure could. (laughs) Hey, Zach, what else happened around January uh, 19th, 2001? Well, a couple of days before January 19th, on January 17th, President Bill Clinton posthumously raises Meriwether Lewis's rank from lieutenant to captain. Which I put that in there, not I mean, because it's kind of interesting that he did that. But the way that's exactly how it was worded on the website that I pulled this from, and I just loved it because the way it operates is that President Bill Clinton, while he was posthumous, rose Meriwether <laughs> Lewis's rank, <laughs> which makes me laugh. Posthumously the raises. Uh, that must have been like one of his very last acts as president. Yeah. When's, yeah. when's inauguration day? Is it like the third week of January? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what I'm going to do? Oh, do you remember? Like he made like a video. Do you remember that? When he was in his lame duck period, there was some like five minute comedy video that he made where he's wandering around the white house and there's like nobody there i do not remember that if you yeah. can find that i would love to watch that oh, so there's I, your I, there's your homework there's my homework okay let me write that down yep okay uh on january 19th the cult film donnie darko written and directed by richard kelly starring jake gillen gillenhall uh premieres at the sundance film festival yeah also on the 19th the mexican drug lord el chapo uh, escapes from Puente Grande Maximum Security Prison near Guadalajara by bribing prison guards and hiding in a laundry cart. Uh, he's later caught and eventually ends up in United States prison currently. There's a bad uh, money laundering joke in there somewhere. I'm sure there is, but yeah. uh, we've already had enough bad jokes. We've already had enough on. bad jokes. Okay. All right. All right. So we do have some trivia for this episode for Absolute Power. Yes. Uh, there was a scene in this where Colonel Jack O'Neill discovers what happened to Teal'c. Mm-hmm. Uh, the implication in what we see is that he was sent off, killed, probably by Daniel Jackson. Um, yeah. 
but we don't never we never know for certain what happened. Uh, well, there was a scene where Colonel O'Neill discovers that Doctor Jackson was uh, harvesting Teal'c Teal'c's blood for transfusion so that he could get Naquita in his own system so that he oh. could use uh, uh, Google devices and such. Yep, yep. Um, which is really um, dark. Oh, yeah. Um, um, which which actually would fit the episode in a lot of ways, um, but they had to cut it because they were about seven or eight minutes too long as it was, mm-hmm. so they needed to mm-hmm. start cutting and chopping things. Apparently, there was also another scene where Kasuf uh, had a big, long speech and conversation while they were inside the tent near the beginning, and, and they had to mm-hmm. cut that for time as well. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, as I mentioned, this is marks the final episode, uh, final appearance of Kasuf on the series, uh, which is terrible. Uh, the title comes from John Dahlberg Acton's uh, axiom: "Power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely." Mm-hmm. Um, so that just what it is. Um, when Teal'c suggests that Apophis may have used Ghoul technology to cause Shifu to mature abnormally quickly. Daniel says they know that's possible. That's, of course, referring to the events of Brief Candle. Yep. Um, to which I would like to say, at some point in time, you know, and, and they actually kind of allude to the fact that they find those nanites, and probably Oma Dasala was the one who turned them off, which stopped mm-hmm. him from growing rapidly. But we also know that from uh, O'Neill's case in Brief Candle, that after they were turned off, he returned to his normal age, and we had a big, long conversation about whether or not, not that would happen to the original right. members of right. that community. And here we have another situation where it is inconsistent because uh, if it doesn't, then he would stay the age he is, uh, and if it does, he would return to a two-year-old, which Fair. would definitely make this a different episode. But... Uh, we are given multiple pieces of evidence that uh, the alien race that Oma de Sala belongs to seems to have command over uh, over our reality in ways that seem to defy explanation. That is true. So you could make the argument that at least in this situation, she not only, A, turned mm-hmm. off the nanites, but also was able to uh, do it in such a way that maintained his uh, age. Yes, so that, that, that covers this potential loophole, but still does not cover the potential loophole of Brief Candle back in... That's because that was, that was bad. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the name Shifu, as Dr. Jackson mentions, means light, um, but it also is the Chinese word for teacher. Aha! Uh-huh. So, there you go. Gotcha. Um, mm-hmm. I do have some stories from the Illustrated Companion. Um, okay. So I'll start with the uh, quote here. Robert Cooper offers this. Many of the stories I've written come from a personal desire to fill holes that I think develop from time to time in the series' ever-evolving mythology. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I blame no one, he continues, as often it is I who have created the hole in the first place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we've often talked about all the knowledge of the Gould and about how getting some of it would help us defeat them. For once, I wanted to get a taste of what that knowledge was. And so then he goes on and on. Yep. Um, and uh, let's see here. The James Titchener, the visual effects supervisor, it says superhero in this text, which is kind of interesting. The VFX superhero, James Titchener. The, vis- the VFX superhero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
He he did not want to have to do the tornado sand whirlwind at the very mm. beginning because it would be really, really challenging and hard and such and probably cost a lot of money. Uh, but he did it anyway, and it actually turned out to be pretty nice. I would say so, yeah. Yep. And then some folks wondered how lovely, sweet Daniel Jackson could turn into such a nasty person so quickly. And uh, Michael Shanks says this in response. He was never a bad person. He was always the same Daniel all the way through the episode. We just saw him in a different set of circumstances. We all know that when Daniel is on the track of something, he gets really passionate and adamant about what he thinks he can accomplish. Mm-hmm. Which is true. And that's exactly yep. what Daniel yep. does in this. It's not until we see the final results of how that plays out that we see where the the evil and and danger comes from. Mm-hmm. So there you go. And finally, this episode in other languages is mostly just absolute power. Uh, the Slovak community uh, calls this uh, unlimited power, yeah, and okay. and uh, the Germans say. Unlimited oh. knowledge. Oh, good. Okay. All right. All right. At least they didn't title this thing Jackson is the bad guy. <laughs> Jackson is das bad man. Bad, bad man. Uh, 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 bad isn't the right one. What, what's nope. the. Ki- I can't remember. Schlecht. The, Schlecht, I think. Schlecht. Uh, uh, th- th- those of you who speak German, please correct me. <laughs> I took German in high school, <laughs> and I was bad then. <laughs> oh. Yeah, okay. So, so shall we uh, dig into the synopsis for this episode? Yeah, let's get into it. All right, here we go. Something weird is happening on Abydos. A strange wind blowing through the active Stargate. A voice calling the name of Sharae on the wind. Kasuf invites SG-1 to investigate. He takes them out to the desert where the voice was heard. Carter's doodads say there's a lot of static electricity building up. A great sand tornado whips up. Daniel hears a voice calling his name. He identifies himself to the tornado. Hi, tornado. I'm Daniel. I'm Daniel. Jack tells Daniel to stay back. The winds die down, and at the center stands a young boy in robes. He is Shifu, and he is Harcesis. Fortunately, we all know what Harcesis is, because otherwise that would be incredibly confusing for somebody yes. who had just watched that episode. But we know he is Harcesis. Shifu is Harcesis. His parents are Share and Apophis. And because of this, he has the genetic memory of all the previous Guawuld in his particular family tree. And since the Guawuld do a whole lot of bad things, having uh, the memories of a thousand Hitlers can be just a little bit overwhelming. While on the planet Keb with Oma Dasala, Shifu was taught how to suppress this genetic knowledge. She also was able to stop his unnatural growth. After all, he's only a couple of years old in actuality. Another one of Apophis's manipulations of this boy for his own purposes. SG-1 takes Shifu back to the SGC. Dr. Frazier examines him and confirms that the nanite technology that artificially aged the boy, but it has been deactivated. Shifu is here to learn more about his mother. The SGC is really interested in what he can tell them about the Guawuld. To assist this, and according to the tre- terms of the treaty they have with the Tok'ra, the SGC contacts the Tok'ra. 
In the meantime, Dr. Jackson talks to Shifu about Sharae and how she passed a message to him through the ribbon, ribbon device, see episode Forever in a Day, to search for Shifu. Jackson quickly inquires about his gold memories. Shifu speaks to someone far wiser than the eight or nine years old that he looks. Way more wiser than a two-year-old. Quoting yeah. his teacher, Oma Dasala, he says, <laughs> The evil in his mind is too strong to resist. The only way to win is to deny it battle. They talk of other things in this conversation, like how dreams can teach and how the music doesn't play the musician. Knowing how important the knowledge of the Gua'uld is, Daniel continues to press the boy to remember. Uh, maybe if Omadasala helped you forget once, she can do it again. Shifu recognizes he needs to do something, and so he reaches out and touches Daniel's forehead. There is a flash of light, and Daniel collapses onto the floor. Daniel wakes up in the infirmary, but he's different. He soon discovers that he has at least some of the Gua World knowledge in his head. He has plans, plans to make a network of satellites that can defeat, can, that can detect Gua World ships from thousands of light years away. These satellites will be able to defend the world from any attack. They can build and, and they can build this network without the help of the Tok'ra. So let's not tell them about this because, you know, we don't know what they're going to do with it. Maybe they could spill the beans somewhere. We don't want that. So let's keep it under wraps. We'll also need to focus solely on acquiring heavy enriched liquid Nakoda or, or something like that. Uh, Shifu, you helped us. We love you. And now you can be a normal boy without having to worry about any of these pesky grown-up things. And you can eat your Fruit Loops. <laughs> Daniel leads a briefing informing the Pentagon representative, Major Paul Davis, that he, what he needs to do to make this project work. Oh, and uh, don't talk to the Russians because they'll probably screw everything up. And we don't want this because this is way too important to let somebody, something like, you know, internal diplomacy screw up. Yeah. Nah. So, nah. in order to keep complete this project in a year, the military will need to spend $160 billion. And the labor, labor will need to be strategically divided to maintain the secrecy of the project. This is an important project. Daniel also has a few personal things he'll need. Just, you know, a, a mansion, a, a secret bunker underneath the mansion, you know, you know, transportation rings. You know, just a couple of things. Not mm -hmm. a big deal. Hop to it! Let's get this started and we can save the world! Through all of this, Daniel continues to see flashes of memory, flashes of possibilities, like the capacity to use a hand device, like the hatred of the, the Gould have for Teal'c. Teal'c is, of course, sent out on a mission unbeknownst to anyone else, but Daniel, he apparently dies as a result, but did Jackson simply kill the Jafar? I can't prove anything. Mm. Mm. Like the intoxication of raw power. In one of these flashes, he imagines torturing and killing Apophis. It is a year later. Daniel wakes up in a large house. Shifu lives with him. Sam, who is no longer part of this project, forces her way into the house to confront Daniel. She accuses him of hiding his real plans under the guise of, quote, strategic division of labor, close quote. He'll never get away with this. She sounds kind of insane. Later, O'Neill visits her in jail. She begs him to try to stop Daniel. 
Unbeknownst to them, Daniel is watching all of this on his CCTV back at home. O'Neill decides to visit his archaeology friend. He arrives on a special day, the day the launch of Daniel's satellites. Oh, what a coincidence. <laughs> Daniel invites his friend to watch the launch. Step closer. Why? You'll see. Trust me. Nope, not ominous at all. <laughs> Check carefully steps closer to his friend, and they are ringed to an underground control room. <laughs> Pretty cool. They watch the launch. Everything goes perfectly. Jack is going to be a hero. Since we have the satellites, we can make the Stargate program public, and you'll be the face of it all. Woohoo! The world is saved! But wait! The launch causes an international crisis. The Russians are none too pleased about being left out of this project. And the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Vedrine, communicates this situation with to Daniel. The Russians try to destroy one of the satellites. Daniel's weapons take out the Russians' attack easily. Things are going to escalate quickly here. The president is reconsidering the need to unilaterally control the satellites. But this does not please Daniel, nor does it surprise Daniel. He presses the big red button and all of a sudden takes control of the entire network himself. You can't do this. Yes, I did. Jack has reached his limit. Daniel needs to be stopped. He pulls out his gun and empties the clip at Daniel. But the megalomaniac hit his protected by a force field. Daniel's not, dis not, not surprised, but perhaps a little disappointed with Jack. Still, Jack's actions do not change Daniel's trajectory. He gives the order, and the satellite network opens fire, obliterating Moscow. Daniel is dreaming. No one is quite sure what's going on. Shifu simply says he's teaching Daniel. The rest of the team works with the Tokra Aldwin to decide how to proceed regarding the knowledge locked in Shifu's memory. Aldwin suggests using a Zatark detector to test Shifu's claims about actually being Harsesis. During the test, Daniel wakes up. He has learned. The evil in my subconscious is too strong to resist. The only way to win is to deny it battle. Shifu thanks Daniel for telling him about his mother. Suddenly, Shifu transforms into a bright, glowing, ethereal entity. He looks like Oma Dasala. He looks like that one monk who transformed on the planet Keb so long before. The glowing energy being Shifu flies through the SGC toward the gate, activates the gate, waves goodbye at everybody, and disappears through the Stargate. The end. The end. So, Brent... Absolute power. Mm -hmm. What do you think of it? I really liked this one a lot. I really like this one a lot. I uh, will start with the end first because, um, let's see, about maybe the start of the third act or so, and it was like a year later, mm -hmm. I thought to myself, huh. Is the show really good? Are they really doing this? How are they going to like, you know, because the previous episode uh, firmly established that the show was airing in close to real time to our viewing audience. And uh, suddenly this episode, they've pushed ahead a year. Mm -hmm. You know, are they are they going to kind of play it out a little bit here? And then at the end of the season, maybe kind of let things get caught back up, uh, you know, when they start the fifth season, you know, one of those things. And then the thought crossed my mind of. I hope this isn't just a dream. 
I thought that to myself. I said, I hope this is not just a dream. Turns out it was just a dream, Zach. It was just um, a dream. It was just a dream. But I think I would like to propose something. Whereas before we had the Catherine Powers scale, where yeah. it seemed that every time that Catherine Powers was involved in writing the story, there was... Uh, at least we were trying to find a pattern in the noise, but turns out that we really couldn't. We couldn't really do that very well. I would like to propose the Zatark detector scale, okay? Because this is now twice where that device has been introduced into the plot point of a story, and immediately took a trope which I hate and turned it into something that actually worked super great. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Like, super well. Like, the whole it's just a dream thing worked very elegantly this time because it was for an obvious plot-driven purpose. It wasn't mm -hmm. just a cheap reset. It was, no, no. We're telling the story. We're setting up the dream in the first part. Uh, and then we're bookending it at the last part using the same language on both sides so that you know, the viewer, this was intended. This was something that was was obviously something that was going to be happening for a purpose. Right, and what was the purpose? Right. It was a very obvious exploration of the of Daniel's psyche. Daniel was self-exploring his own psyche to understand what it would mean if he could actually get a hold of this kind of power. Um, and it has rippling effects because we are supposed, I believe, we are supposed to be extrapolating this into the totality of humanity as a whole. What will humanity do if they get a hold of this technology prematurely? Blow each other up. Like That's a thing that we've seen a bajillion times, but we're getting another round, or another round of it this time. Uh, what, uh, uh, what can we hope for in knowing, or, uh, how can we use the Harcesis to our advantage? The short answer is we cannot. Uh, why can we not? Because the totality of power that the Gould have had is so influencing that to extrapolate it is to be playing with fire in a way that is just extremely dangerous. So what mm -hmm. does Oma de do? She locks it up. And we say, but we can probably tease it out a little, can't we? The answer is, of course, no. But then it also introduces a really elegant little counterplay, at least I thought so, when it comes to thinking about the Gould and their motivation. Like, if you had the ability to have generational knowledge passed from one to the next, it would feel like you would have exponentially growing amounts of power. If Zach, if you had all of the uh, understanding and knowledge of your parents and your parents' parents and your parents' parents' parents, et cetera, et cetera, how godlike would you feel if you could remember a hundred generations back? How often would you come across a problem and know exactly how to solve it Thinking back to one of these moments in your many pasts where you could actually recall seeing that problem before or something that looked like that problem, you know, it yeah. would be just it would it would it would be something that would corrupt powerfully. So we have this really tidy explanation of why are the ghouls such flippin jerks? Well, it's because they remember everything, frankly. I mean, they only you know, they remember half of it or you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's it's not quite that 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 simple. Uh, but it is implying, like, maybe there's more to it than just they're they're just our bad guys, you know, the, the, that that uh, they are two dimensional bad guys. And that's all there is to it. Uh, you know, maybe there's a reason why. Uh, maybe we can explore that a little bit further uh, or maybe not. Maybe it's locked away forever, but at least it's it's kind of brought about in a way that kind of explains it, puts it aside. And that 
and it does so in a way that doesn't feel short shrifted. It's it's a it's it's a decent explanation as to how that situation has come about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you just put on all the good stuff on top of it. Like uh, Michael Shanks is a flipping fantastic actor. Mm-hmm. I mean, like it was really well done. He absolutely was true to Daniel Jackson all the way through the end. That was the point of the story was that he <laughs> was true to himself and it yielded this. Um uh, the supporting, you know, in this case, the supporting cast, you know, I'm just basically talking about everybody else, um, did a pretty darn good job on their own right. But it was very Daniel centric. But then there was something that also happened. And then I'll pivot into asking how you were thinking about this episode. Okay. This is something that I noticed. This is now two episodes in a row where there's a reset. And I don't think that so Watergate didn't have a reset. I don't think. No. Uh, but 2010 definitely had a reset. Yep. And. Absolute power had a reset. Yeah. And I'm kind of curious. Like, part of me suddenly thought to myself, wait a minute, are they setting something up? Is there going to be something that happens here that is going to be a real nice, like, powerful, good, satisfying crunch? Because we're, we're also approaching the end of the season here. Yeah. Uh Anyway, I mean, I know that you can't talk at all about that, but, I, you know, to our listeners who have seen it, maybe I'm saying something they're like, eh, 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 you seeing something? Or maybe not. Maybe I'm just seeing a pattern in the wind. Uh, but I just wanted to just, just vocalize that, right? Two resets in a row. I'm paying attention. So, yeah. anyway, Zach, what do you think about this one? So, this is an episode that my opinion of has vacillated. Um you know, there have been times when I really liked it. There have been other times where I watch it, I'm just kind of bored with it. Um, this particular watch, I it it drew this particular watch drew me into the story more so than it has in previous times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the let's just have a dream sequence type of thing. And you actually mentioned that this is sort of a reset, and in some ways it is, but in other ways it's not because it's right. pretty clear that Daniel still remembers that dream. Daniel uh, uh, still remembers all the things he did for that year that led up to that. I should not use the word reset. You're right. Um, but there is a you know, bit of a reset of a kind. I mean, anyway, you know, I mean, certainly there there is a point in the episode where you get the sense that, oh, well, maybe they learned a whole lot of new technology, and then they did, and they started using it. Um, mm-hmm. And then you wake up and you find out, no, it, you don't really have that. But whereas in... Uh, where this is different than, say, even 2010, um, by the time we get to the end of 2010 and we get to our heroes, uh, they don't know anything about what happened in the last 45 minutes Mm -hmm. of of television. Uh, Whereas in this situation, everything was happening in Daniel's brain, and Daniel still remembers all of this. So it... It is something that has affected one of our heroes, and we have delved into that hero deeply, and we have the other heroes. So mm-hmm. they have a much significant, uh, significantly less uh, remembrances in that. But it does, in a lot of ways, also feel like a reset episode. So this is, and this is where where I come. It's like sometimes I'm like, oh, this just feels like a reset episode. Blah. Right. And other times, it's like, ooh, this really works together, and it ties things together. Um, 
Uh, I like the foreshadowing at the beginning where where they're very fluidly talking about dreams and how yes. dreams teach. Yes. Um, and when when he we when Shifu hits Daniel with that beam, uh, on one level you can you can immediately tell that oh something weird is going on. There's something happening here, and at the exact same time you also say. Wow. Okay, he just got some cool information. Let's see what happens with it. Right. Um, yes. You know. So there, there's, there's this both and. There's this uh, uh, a uh, foreshadowing of stuff with, without being a bonk bonk on the head, right? Um, uh, or even simply just uh, planting a flag in what you're obviously doing next. So there's this weird balance there, which I like. A lot. It works for mm-hmm. me. At least, at least this time, it worked really well for me. Um, yeah. It. What What fascinates me here uh, more at this point in time, uh, because I could repeat everything you said, and I think that's that's reasonably accurate. Um, uh, but what fascinates me most about this episode uh, is the interesting conversation about uh, the the thought experiment on absolute power. And how mm-hmm. absolute power can corrupt um, even somebody like Daniel Jackson, who, as we have said, remains true to who he is throughout the whole thing yep. with power. And then we see what happens. Um, I find this really fascinating that we're having this conversation on this day in American history. Huh. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I mean, so here it is. It's July 4th as we record this now. Um, you know, it's... Um, almost 11 o'clock in the morning, central time. Now you know that I live in the central time zone when I record this podcast. Okay. Yeah, they knew that anyway. Yeah, I know. So, <laughs> um, so you know, in this moment on July 4th, uh, 2020, uh, we're in the midst of a pandemic. Uh, we've got mm-hmm. social and political unrest. Uh, mm-hmm. There's economic uncertainty at the very least. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We are trying to open things up while at the same time recognizing that maybe we open things up too fast. Mm-hmm. Um, some people think it is essential that you wear masks. Other people think that uh, trying to enforce the mask wearing is simply an abuse of power. Um, you know, I could go on and on and on about this. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is our reality. Um, and you know, the, it just, and I don't know, I don't know if I have something yet specifically to say, but, but there's something about this episode and our, you know, having to deal with this episode on this day that strikes me as, as, Mm -hmm. uh, poignant and Mm -hmm. thought provoking. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, to pivot into that, there, the, the, um, the lesson that is being provided here is, uh, we, we know it well. Uh, we know it well. We've had plenty. We've had a bounty of stories that play around with the thought experiment of what would happen if we gave our heroes exactly what they think they want. Um, and you know, the short answer is, uh, they will use it in ways that are not admirable. And going through and watching how a person can do that, uh, it's worthwhile and it's worth uh, and it's worth saying. Uh, the the thing that I'm kind of struck by this very second as I'm kind of pondering it is that <sighs> these stories are for your average person and your average person is rarely, if not ever, presented with an opportunity to achieve such kind of uh, unilateral decision-making ability. 
Um, and so, you know, maybe maybe it's cathartic. Maybe this is a story that we tell ourselves because we feel as though we are uh, surrounded by folks that are able to make those kinds, or maybe not surrounded, but you know that that our lives are influenced by folks that are able to make such kind of sweeping unilateral decisions. And sure, in our fiction, we talk about these uh, almost godlike powers that certain folks could have uh, if they had such abilities. And we don't live in a world where people have that necessarily, but it is a metaphor for um, how can I how can I sleep at night knowing that there's this person out there who is making decisions that is negatively impacting me in ways that they can't that that they that they either don't know or are willfully hurting me. Well, let's go with the day they don't know, and or, and or let's go with the 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 aspect of it. You know, it's an it's an inevitable consequence, and I'm going to feel better by by putting myself in their shoes and saying, yeah, I mean, if I were given that kind of power, I would also make these kind of stupid decisions, um, which is a bit, you know, I'm kind of rambling on a bit of a diatribe uh, and right. I don't mean to diminish it. I just mean to sort of sort of put it in a framing of like, you know, I, I don't necessarily view this uh, as a cautionary tale uh, as much as something else. And I'm not sure what that something else is. It's well, no less thought provoking and I'm chewing the heck out of it right now. Like, <laughs> like uh, I, I like, think that there, if we take seriously what Shifu says that dreams teach, yeah. um, uh, the implication is, um, you know, the, there is wisdom in, I mean, in, in this type of thought experiment that is valuable to, us yes to who we are um it is very easy for us to look at well it's easy for me in my life to say well i don't have absolute power i don't have very much power at all uh and then i can very easily therefore take that information that i don't have very much power at all and say ah you evil insert your favorite group here to hate uh, whether it's Republicans, Democrats, the 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 Black Lives Matter folk, whether it's the police department, uh, whether it's uh, you know the Russians, whether it's uh, yeah, whomever. Pick pick your yeah. Pick your you know. It's so easy to say you you know uh, you U.S. government, you're unilaterally destroying my life without even thinking about how your things affect me, and you're bad, and you have absolute power, or close enough to absolute power, and you're just corrupted, and, and you know, and there, you're right that in, in a lot of ways, anybody who gets put into that system is going to have to navigate that. Um, but the question then becomes for us today is, since most of us aren't going to end up becoming presidents of the United States or something right. analogous, or even governors for that matter, um, does that mean this simply is a tale of, of learning about how to point a finger at the other guy and say, hey, you over there, you need to watch this episode and know that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely and, and you need right. to be careful with all of that? Or is there something in this that that can help us recognize that that Every single one of us has our own power, and it's mm-hmm. very easy uh, to, even unintentionally, even benevolently, uh, abuse uh, my own personal power, even as I'm trying to wield it safely and healthily, uh, that can cause harm, and and find the the the. The grist, I don't know, the, 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 mm-hmm. the something to, to hang on to there and to chew on and to recognize that this is a story that, that is not about them, but it's about us. Right. 
and not even us, me. And not yeah. Right. Like really bringing Absolutely. it on in. Yeah, the uh yeah, there was a thought that crossed my mind and then I left, but that's cuz I'm that's cuz I'm listening. Hmm. Um yeah, there's there definitely feels like and this might just be the the me talking. David, this is good mead. Um <laughs> I, I I can't quite get my fingers around the the sort of the exploration that I am enjoying going down when thinking about this episode. It, it you know, I watched it yesterday. It happened almost as soon as I finished watching it. Um it is more than just a simple retelling. No, let me rephrase that. Yes, I think it is relatively speaking just a simple retelling of the absolute power corrupts absolutely tale. Um but pondering it is uh worthwhile. And uh perhaps it's not so much because of the cathartic element that I was talking about before, but maybe it's also because, uh, you know, maybe there's a little bit of recognition of how amazingly swiftly uh, a little bit of power can start to corrupt. Um, I'm <laughs> part of me is wanting to avoid getting on the political grandstand because it would be so easy for me to just jump on this thing right now. But, um, <laughs> And, you know, that it's it's definitely worth talking about, no question. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to avoid it for any other reason than just to just try to give folks a little bit of breathing room. Maybe we don't want to think about that right now. Um, but the notion that, you know, just think about the moments when you have been given a little bit of power or think about the moments where you have noticed when someone was given a little bit of power. And I don't necessarily mean it in the framework of, like, government. Uh, I'm just meaning it in everyday life. And... Uh, even as something as simple as uh, rolling up to a stop sign, a four-way stop, and you're the first one to come to a complete stop. Like, even in that moment, when the other person starts to go, and you're like, it's my turn! Right? You know, like, you know, you have, in that particular moment, by strict definition, been granted the power to move forward first. And how, how instantly um, that power turns into something that you feel you have a birthright on. Yeah. <laughs> like, like like uh what I can't remember uh where I first saw it I think it was a I think it was a picture of one of those road signs uh you know traffic jam like you know in 30 minutes type of a road sign something along the lines of like it's it's a road not a birthright let them merge um like <laughs> <laughs> right you know and it's yeah. one of those things of just like you know so yeah so here we have this story of our beloved Daniel Jackson uh turning turning into a ghoul basically yeah um by by uh by virtue of simply knowing things uh, and, you know, how swiftly it can turn into, uh, you know, a complete <laughs> just because he thinks he knows better than everybody else on the planet. Uh, it's going to be his will that is done. And, uh, you know, yeah. how how easy that story then morphs into just the despotism uh uh, the demigod aspect, you know what I mean? Like it just, it just, it just flows right into it. And, you know, as it really said this very one episode, boy, it worked. It worked. It worked really well. At least it worked for me. Worked really well for me. Certainly. One of the things that was realizing. around, it worked really yeah. well for me. And, and it, I'm trying to imagine, trying to think about, um, because there are times where I've kind of watched this episode and kind of thought, eh, whatever. Um, but, you know, as I watched this, I mean, the first thing I said when I finished watching it last night was, you know what, this is an episode that is better than I remember it being. And now I have to try to figure out what is it that I remembered and I, why do I find it better now? 
Well, and I don't I, have a good answer for that right now. I bet you I I bet you I do, Zach. I bet you I got a good answer oh, for you. Hit, um, hit me up. Yeah. Um this was use my first your time power and it. help me out. I'm going to use my absolute power. Um this was the first time I saw the episode. And even though like it feels like I should have been bonked on the head when uh shoot, what's the name of the kid? What's Shifu. the name of the horse? Shifu. When Shifu touches Jackson and Jackson falls down. Like, on a second rewatching, I would immediately be like, and this is the start of the dream sequence. And, you know, so I, it's part of me feels a little bit like I should have totally seen the dream sequence coming because it was just so flippin' clear. But on the other hand, um, like I mentioned, this was my first time watching it. And so, therefore, I didn't catch it. And uh, I, I was watching the story afresh. A second rewatching would probably have dramatically less enjoyment because the whole shtick depends on uh, this is a story of Daniel exploring his subconscious and it's uh, not an exploration of morality in the same way like a Christmas Carol is where there's this like outside observer type thing. This person is living life for a year and seeing the decisions that he makes along the way and feeling the emotions of frustration and assuredness and uh justification and you know what i mean like just just living and breathing the transformation from dr daniel jackson an accomplished uh uh an accomplished archaeologist part of an amazing team of people working hard to save the world into uh, Daniel Jackson, uh, archetype demigod, ruler of the planet Earth, and in the span of a year, and mm-hmm. and 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 that was a nice story to explore, and it only really works if you're not quite aware that what we're actually doing is watching Daniel Dream. The minute you realize that you're watching Daniel Dream, I can completely see how on on rewatching Zach how there might be times where you're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah let's skip to the end because what was the real point? It was the first 10 minutes and the last two. Like, we, we, the Observer, got to watch how it transpired. But we learned some things that there's a lot of information contained inside this child. Omodasala helped out with this child, locked it away. And though we want to get at it, zoop, zip to the last two minutes, we cannot, absolutely cannot, should not. Uh, and it will be to our detriment if we ever try to. And off this knowledge goes. Now, the middle part of the story helps us, the viewer, understand and feel satisfied with that's a fine thing. It would be interesting to see how the rest of the SG teams, uh, specifically SG1 and the SGC leadership, uh, take that information that Daniel is about to give them. Because they did not have that experience, right? Mm -hmm. They didn't even have the benefit of watching the experience. They're just literally on the outside. They got the first 10 minutes and the last two. That there's a whole lot of information inside this kid, and for reasons that Daniel says are valid, off that kid goes, and we're and they're supposed to be fine with it. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, um, if it plays out at all. But getting back to you, Zach, and your experience, yeah, I can completely see how on past rewatchings you're like, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I know how this one goes. This is the one where he gets knocked out and he thinks that he's a he's the all powerful for a while, and then he wakes up. Um, but it worked really well for me because I didn't know that, and as the story went on, it unfolded in a very elegant way. I thought. I thought it was I think I think part of it for me um on this set, this rewatch this time is that uh I really 
allowed myself to fall into the story. And that's something mm-hmm. that I've been mm-hmm. intentionally trying to do as we rewatch this together. Is not mm-hmm. just sort of witness the story or just let the the, you know, uh, photons and <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, and uh, audio waves just crash into my head for 45 minutes each week, but <laughs> to actually uh, you know, pay attention and and really dig into the story and let the story take me on its journey. Uh, and I think that that helped me this time mm-hmm. around. That uh, when when I did that uh, and allowed myself to to really fall into the story uh, and, and see how things play out um, and, and see the interaction and, and the, the tension and release of things, um, rather than just kind of let it wash over me, I think that um, helped to change my perspective of uh, mm-hmm. of this episode, and you know, a lot of episodes that has done that too. Uh, this sure. is just one in a long line of those things. So I think that's part of it. Um, I'm in a place right now where where the idea of thinking about how. Uh, power is can be abused, and even people who are trying to wield power for good can can discover that uh, if they open their eyes, are in fact abusing power. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and you don't know which side I'm talking about, do you? Right. Exactly. <laughs> that, that is that's that not the, the fascinating point? thing about right. this uh, in our current context today. Um, and. Uh, you know, so all of that just kind of just kind of hit me and and uh, drew me in in a way that was uh, special. Yeah. So this is a good it. one. I liked it. All right, Brent. Yes. Absolute power. Absolute power. What'd you think of it? How many chevrons will you give it? So I'm not a big fan of it's just a dream. I really don't like it's just a dream, but. I did very much enjoy this one. I thought that the story was compelling. I thought that the acting was brilliant. I thought that the uh, I thought the information was that was shared was just superb. Um, and side note, I would not be surprised at all if uh, if a little bit of Gould knowledge actually stays. You know, a little bit of Daniel Jackson going. I don't remember how Liquid Naquita does it, but something about heavy Liquid Naquita. Sam, go work on that. Like, I can see that happening. <laughs> um, and yeah, so like, you know, all in all, this thing was just a lot of fun. It was very well. I, I, you know, again, I'm not a fan of the trope of the it's just a dream. But but I think I will introduce the uh, the Zaytark plus one factor, which takes this episode from a six Chevron to literally a plus one from six is full seven chevrons Whoa. i very much enjoyed talking about this one thinking about it understanding the gold in a new light uh the clever use of it's just a dream um which was not it was very well played and also the the locking away of this sought after information for a justifiable reason and in a way that actually made a bit of sense like the whole thing i had a great time with seven out of seven for me seven out of seven wow okay yes. so um, without having rewatched this episode, I probably would have said something like a four and a half. Yeah. Because of what I was remembering in the past. I rewatched yes. it this time. I'm like, well, you know what? This is better than what I remembered in before. Uh, and so it's going higher than a four and a half. Um, 
probably at that point in time, that at least brings it up to a five. Does it bring it up? Well, we'll start with a five. Now, now, uh, one of the things that people like to recognize, and I think they're not wrong, is that uh, when an episode continues and furthers along the journey of the meta-narrative of the show, yep. as yep. Uh, Robert Cooper says, fills in some plot holes from previous episodes, those are mm-hmm. episodes that, on the meta-narrative side, I like. And so, okay, so this ratchets that up, so now we're easily at a five and a half, and mm-hmm. we had a great conversation, <laughs> and I love having a good conversation about episodes, and that makes me feel better. That raises it up to a six. Uh-huh. It's not a seven. It's not the perfect I mean, episode. Is, but, you know. but for now, I give it a six, um, which is a lot higher than what I was originally expecting it to be. Oh, yeah. But uh, there it I'm- is absolutely willing to say that if a rewatch happened i would not think nearly as highly of it it really the magic was in watching it for the first time i think the magic was in the first time well i think that that there certainly is a lot of magic in that first time mm-hmm. um but uh uh don't sell a second viewing too shortly because at least on a tenth viewing it can get pretty good again <laughs> <laughs> You know, it can come right back, you know? It's one of those things where it's just like, oh, this is not so... Wait a minute, it's cha- It's better! Hooray! Hooray! Oh, funny. Okay. Well, Brent. Yeah? We have some uh, predictions for Yay! this episode. <laughs> yes. So, we will start... Let's see here. i got to make sure that I get all of the predictions in here. Uh-huh. Hopefully. All right, so I'm going to have to do some searching because I know that there are more than these two. But, all right. Searching, searching. JD says. Hello, JD. I think this one should get the power boost and be an eight chevron. So it'll probably get a four and a half from Zach and a four Ah, from ah. Brent. (laughs) JD, um, you and I are in alignment more or less, but uh, you were also accurately predicting Zach's starting position. So good on you. Yeah. Um, Yeah. JD, I I love you, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so and we have Kayla saying, "It's been so long since I've seen this episode. As many times as I've seen the whole series, I should have memorized them by now. Uh, from what I remember, this is a really interesting one. The storyline is great, and we get to see a different side of Daniel Jackson. We get uh-huh. to see what ifs and alternate storylines this." Will be my first prediction. Yes. Welcome, Kayla, to the uh, process of predicting. Uh, I hope you come back. Uh, She says five and a half and six, although she doesn't specify who's who. I'll take the six. (laughs) Sure. Uh, Thanks, although Kayla. maybe I should say lower since this one didn't stick in my memories as well as some others. Mm. Uh, Sure. Sure. But yep. yeah, no, I had a good yep. time with this yep. one. All right, wonderful. Uh, that is very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we have some more. Do I have all of these ones? Okay, Julie says... Hi, Julie. Maybe four for Brent and uh, four and a half for Zach? Well, Julie, you hit my ah. starting point. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> nope. Nope. <sighs> Justin yeah. says... Hi, Characters Justin. plus absolute trope times only having watched the trailer (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh equals four for Zach and a five for Brent. Nope. 
<laughs> Sorry, I'm getting too uh, I'm getting too joyful, gleeful now. I'm you, just you are flat out um, gleeful. All right, so we have Jacqueline who says, "Hi, Jacqueline. I didn't get a chance to rewatch this episode this week, and it's been a while since I have watched it. But something tells me it wasn't one of my favorites for the season from the season. So I'm going to say it's the same for both of you, Zach. You'll give it a four and a half, and Brent, I think you'll give it a five chevron rating. The, 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 the everybody's starting point for you is amazingly accurate. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be honest that, that uh, I mean, this one gets the boost it gets, gets the rating it gets for me, um, because there there was just something in this rewatching at this point in time that, that, that sang for me in a way that yeah. in previous rewatchings it hadn't. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jacqueline also says uh, something in uh, Irish, uh, which <laughs> she says means happy 4th of July. I think. Okay. Um, but I am totally not going to try to say those words, Jacqueline. <laughs> uh, I, uh, part of me wants to encourage you to try it just because it would be a hilarious butchering. Uh, but on the other hand, I guess okay. it's only hilarious. All right. All right. You know. Because well, cause you said know. so. I wouldn't uh, know. Carry on, though. I don't know what a BH makes, but that's what's there. But so, uh, what does a BH make? <laughs> like, like, like Siobhan has a BH in it, so maybe it's yeah. A, so it's a V. Uh, yeah, dive, 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 All right, Jacqueline, there, there is my shot, and it was bad, and I apologize. But you can blame Brent. You could. All right. We have another one from Sandus. Uh, Hello, Sandus. Uh, Sandus, uh, she uh, wrote uh, last week, and she says, yes. "Hi guys, congratulations, congratulations, Zach, for pronouncing perfectly my name." Yes. Oh, there the you go. S at the end is not silent. So, woohoo! I'm Fair. well done. Happy you too, Brent, for majestically guessing that the episode, what the episode may be about. I was shocked. I was too (laughs) that makes two of us (laughs) this episode is the proof that villain Daniel Jackson is something the show needs Uh, Uh, I wished the storyline lasted longer she says Brent will give it a four and a half and Zach will give it a five nope nope it was much better much better Um, so what was the other episode that that did it to for you that that was um, uh, upgrades is that right in what way? Uh, no, the the one that that had that trope of the Zaytark. It was upgrades that they they racketed. Oh, was it upgrades? Yeah, because it was the Sam. It was the Sam Jack Love story. Right, they had those things in I their arms. They were trapped. I love you. Or was you it? And we have to tell. Or was it? Was it that one? Or was it? Was it the next one after that when upgrades. they were actually divide and conquer with the Zaytarks, and they were tested? I can't remember. Whatever. No, it was definitely, it was the one where the people were blowing up. The spies were blowing up. Yeah, so that wasn't Upgrades. No. It was, I think, Divide and Conquer was the next Probably. one for that. Yeah. Yeah. The Zay, right. the, what are we calling it? The Zay, what is it called? The Zaytark? Zaytark Detector. Yeah, it's the Zaytark, up, it's the Zaytark Boost. All right. Yeah. Uh, we do have a pro, uh, we have a, a prediction from David. Hi, David. The true nature of the Chevron bias buffer is encoded in the subconscious. <laughs> the only way to truly overcome the Chevron encoding bias is to deny the buffer or, or, or something like that. <laughs> I guess by denying the buffer, that means scroll. 
There you go. <laughs> he says, I really wish this episode had not aired immediately after 2010. Uh-huh. Okay. I know it kind of bookends Maternal Instinct, which aired almost a year earlier, so there needed to be time between the two, but the timing of this episode following another View from the Future episode in 2010 yeah. was not yeah. good. Uh-huh. On top of that, I don't think it's that great of an episode. It's got some of no, the I tropiest disagree. of tropes like supervillain lair, emperor scientist, oh, with great yeah, yeah. Street insanity, <laughs> it was all a dream, and so on. Thanks, tvtropes.org. <laughs> I forgot about the supervillain lair. Oh, <laughs> the yeah. moving chair. The moving chair into the spotlight. Oh, That's my right. gosh. That's right. But how good was that? That was so good. That was so good. Uh, oh, yeah. Anyway, carry on. I'm sorry. Plus, he says, who would give a discredited archaeologist all that much power in such short a time period? That makes sense. Uh, it mean, does have some redeeming bits, I guess. It does advance the uh, Oma de Salo storyline. Yes. And the concepts of something redacted. Uh, but uh. on the whole, it's just a meh plus episode. Maybe if it had aired at a different point in the season, I would have liked it better. Four chevrons for Brent, because it's another mostly press the reset button episode. And five Fair. chevrons for Oma de Sala and other stuff for Zach. Oma de Sala to which I say, what you didn't take into account for me, David, was that I had a, joy- a joyful time talking about this with Brent. And that and a glass of meat. raised and a glass of mead. I don't think the mead bumped this up for me. No, it didn't bump it up for me either. I was feeling pretty good about this episode even before then. But, but okay. But David, just for your knowledge, whenever I have myself a little drink, uh, I usually get much cheerier. That's generally my trajectory. So just so you if, know. So if you all want Brent to be happier in his Chevron ratings, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. send us mead. Send booze. <laughs> Influence the score. Send There you go. <laughs> I'm not a fro- I'm not above being bribed. Absolute power, Zach. <clears throat> uh, oh, oh. There, I'm, I'm sure there's a morality tale in there somewhere. Oh yeah, there's a few actually. It's been said many times. Yeah. All right, uh, Brett. We do have one more prediction. Yeah. Okay. This one comes from Caleb. Hey, Caleb. Caleb says, Happy 4th of July! Happy 4th of July. probably from the U.S. hmm This is a great episode with great acting, and to yes. Brent's hats off for that uh, you got the Oma de Sala part that was impressive. <laughs> I know. I was super impressed with myself. <laughs> I, I was impressed that you got so close last it week. It was, on the, yeah. That. It was a lot of fun. Um, his predictions is that we would both give this episode five chevrons nope i will say this brent more yeah i think seven is probably higher than it ought to be nope what are you talking about you said that about bane come on (laughs) i was right about bane (laughs) no as i have said i don't know how many times now bane is the height of television it is the silliest, slapstickiest, most goofiest, stupidest method of trying to convey a story that has ever been put onto... Is it celluloid? Are they filming this? Or are they just... Yeah, they're filming uh, it, right? At that point in time, it was probably celluloid. Yes. Probably film. Yeah. Uh, at, at some point in time in the series, they do shift to digital. I don't remember gotcha. what it is. Gotcha. But anyway, yeah, Bane's, Bane's okay. great. Uh-huh. 
Okay. And so is absolute power. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> Brent. Yes. Last week, I gave you the title Absolute Power. Yeah. And you did a remarkable job yeah. of yeah. predicting what absolute power is about. Yeah, that's true. I did. This week. Uh-huh. I give you next week's episode. Mm-hmm. It is called The Light. And I challenge you to try to predict it accurately. The Light. The Light. Okay. Next time on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 team travel through the gate to find themselves on a strange world. They seem to be in a great hall containing all of the exploits that they have endured and engaged in over the past several years. Row upon row of material seem to be video capture of the various adventures that they had been on. And also, curiously, every single one have two numbers associated with it. Never more, never going up higher than eight, and only a couple of times going down to just a one. But mostly right there in the middle on all those points. However, a core set is set over into the middle of a great dais. As they approach it, they see that these materials have two numbers. Two sets, I should say. One set, which is struck out, immediately followed by another. And one of these has the label of absolute power. And suddenly it occurs to them, as they stand in the bathing light of this dais in this great hall filled with their previous exploits, somehow, some way, folks have to be thought or th- folks have to be told of their adventures, and some people are curiously rating them on a particular scale, and further seem to see, say certain episodes, uh, <clears throat> certain adventures are more interesting than others, but clearly they're wrong, and they have to be shown the light. <laughs> Join us on patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate to force a rewatch of uh, Absolute Power and have Brent give another shot at giving that. Join us next time on Stargate <laughs> SG1, where we are. We see, we see the light. We see the light. We see the light, Zach. We see the I, I. Okay. And he stumbles across the line. <laughs> well, okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I'll, I'll give you this. Mm hmm. <laughs> you are absolutely 100% completely right on the fact that there is a light in this next episode. As in I can see what's happening? As in there is a light. Mm-hmm. At least one. <laughs> At least one. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Okay. Uh, I, I probably did a shameful job. Um seeing as there's no way they're going to be so self-referential to anticipate the advent of podcasting and a couple of knuckleheads uh, rating every single one of their episodes on a scale. What do you think? Yeah, that, 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 that's a safe, that's a safe bet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Shall so we watch uh, this episode yeah. uh, promo? The promo, yeah, go. absolutely. I am hitting the play button uh-huh. now. Next time on Stargate SG-1. What? <laughs> An unforeseeable tragedy at Stargate Command. You're asking me if he was suicidal. He wasn't. He was fine. He was... He was better than fine. There was this room where there was this pedestal which projected this light matrix hologram onto the ceiling. It was, uh... Absolutely stunning. But is there danger hidden in its beauty? 
something or someone is affecting these guys. More than affecting them, sir. If their brain function continues to fail, they could be facing a worst-case scenario. Whatever's wrong, we'll... we'll fix it. Is there any escape oh, no. from the influence of the light? It's all next time on Stargate SG-1. I told that was you, Brent, light when, I, I told you that what you got right was, was that there was a light. There was a light. <laughs> the implication is pretty much everything else in your prediction was not quite there. I will say mm-hmm. that <laughs> your prediction did suggest that Jack O'Neill, Sam Carter, Daniel Jackson, and Teal would all be part of the storyline, and so that's true. That I got two things right. You got that I got right that as well. SG One team would have an adventure, and that um, oh, and, that and there you was started a light. that SG One will travel to a strange world. Yes, you got that part right as well. Yeah, that's yes. I I uh you know by maths I would always I would have to get that right sometimes. That's true. Actually, you know you haven't always gotten that right because sometimes you say that and they stay all their the whole thing on planet and then exactly. they don't go to. Although you, what one could you argue mean? that Earth is a strange world. Fair, but I'm not sure what you mean by sometimes I say that. No, sometimes you say that, and you are wrong because oh, they the didn't part. go. I gotcha. It's the end. Sorry, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I, I, I clearly did not get my entire sentence out of my no brain. I'm confident that you did. I was just hearing what I wanted to hear. So anyway, yeah. Okay, Looking sure. Forward so, to that one. Uh, thank you very much, David, you, David. for that promo. Yeah. Uh, thank you for those of you who gave predictions for this episode. We will be yeah. here next time to talk about the light. Uh, yep. Tell us what you think about this episode. Tell us what you think about how absolute power corrupts uh, in your life and in your everyday world, or yeah. not. Whatever um, you know, throw jokes and Jaffa jokes and Stargate jokes oh. online, and and uh, you know, have fun. Whatever. I mean, I suppose um, you could do that. Yes. You know, email us at <laughs> walking through the Stargate at gmail <laughs> Follow uh-huh. us on Twitter at Stargate Walking. Uh, go to Facebook and go to the Facebook page and the Facebook group and have conversations there and have fun there. Do all mm-hmm. of those things because because I have absolute power and I insist power. Okay, and with that, I'm Zach <laughs> and I'm Brent, and this has been Walking <laughs> Through the Stargate. See you next time. See you next time. <laughs> Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home. <laughs>